Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and his church, grow in faith and understanding of God's word, and serve in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to attend any of our three services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Take your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the final week of our sermon series we've entitled Happily Ever After. So if you're new with us or haven't been with us for very long, uh, I think this is the eighth week I've preached about marriage. Uh, I've been concerned for many months about marriages uh, within our country, but specifically within our church and the people that were struggling. And so we wanted to do something very uh, helpful for our people. And so we've offered this sermon series that gives us a very clear look biblically at what marriage ought to be, but it's offered a lot of practical advice as well. And I want you to understand, even though this is the last week of this sermon series, that does not mean that our team is not still committed to helping you in your marriage. Okay, so even uh, in the weeks and months and years to come, if a struggle comes up or if you need some help or if you need some counseling, we're available to do that for you. This online marriage assessment, we're going to keep this. It's going to be a tool we're going to use for a long time. And so in a month or a year or sometime in the future, if something comes up and you need some help, reach out to us. We'd love to help you. Uh, We're on standby. That's what we do, right? We help people and pray with people and counsel people on a regular basis. And so I'd love to help you if you need something. Uh, We've kind of given you some very practical advice over these last many weeks. But we've also kind of given you levels of things we can do. Obviously, the sermon series is the first one. Hopefully, you've taken some notes and you've learned some things. I always encourage people when I do premarital counseling, especially premarital counseling is easy. Because everybody's in love and happy and nobody's ever done anything wrong. And those are great discussions and they're, they're fun. And I enjoy those. They're really good. And we all know that premarital counseling is good. But marriage sometimes can be difficult and life happens and children come along and careers get demanding. And sometimes that changes. So I always encourage these young couples, listen, write all this stuff down. Take good notes. We usually work through a book. We've got some things we go through and talk through together. Take all of these things, put them in a file somewhere, and in a year or two or three, pull those back out and go through it again because it's good for us to be refreshed sometimes, isn't it? It's good to be reminded. And so I would encourage you to take the notes you've made from this series, even if things are great for you right now, put them in a file cabinet somewhere, and one of these days, pull them back out and be refreshed. So you've got the sermon series, kind of level one, Level two homework each week. I had a guy come up to me after the the first service that I love. He's been here forever. And he said, listen, I didn't do homework when I was in school. And I'm having a hard time doing homework now. He said, I thought about entering the transfer protocol because all the homework you're giving. That's what he told me. For those of you that are football fans in the NCAA transfer protocol. But he said, listen, thanks for doing it. It's been really good for us. So let me just encourage you. If you haven't done all the homework, it's okay Nobody's going to check up on you, but I'll encourage you to do some of that. It's good for you to be reminded, to kind of do some of these activities, to have these conversations. Uh, And then level three is the online marriage assessment. A lot of families have already done that. We're working through couples right now, uh, excited about what's happening in those sessions. Good things are happening there. Then level four, if you still need some help, a certified marriage counselor, uh, we'd love to plug you in and let that person help you as well, okay? This morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 
19. Uh, we studied it last week. We're going to begin in verse 1 again, a little bit of review, then kind of jump right into what we're going to see this morning. So 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 1. This is the words of Paul to the church at Corinth. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I have, excuse me, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Right. So the importance, the significance of love in our lives. Verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And so last week, we really kind of looked at those verses, and we, we talked about loving with patience, loving with kindness, loving with humility, being unselfish in the way that we love. And let me just encourage you, by the way, I, I would hope that every time you leave on a Sunday morning uh, from our time in here and your time in your small group, you leave challenged on some level. And I hope you leave with some ideas and some things you can apply to your life. So it's always good to kind of go out and ask yourself, listen, what have I done this week differently than the week before? Right? How have I loved unselfishly this week? How have I demonstrated humility? What, what have I done specifically to show kindness to my spouse? What have I done this week to specifically be patient with my spouse? Right? It's important for us to not only hear this message and understand this message and <clears throat> think through application, but it's awfully important for us to really apply it to our lives. So what are we doing differently because of the things we've learned in God's Word? Now, verse 7, and this is kind of gonna, where we're going to hone in and really focus this week. Verse 7 says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Verse 8, Love never ends, for his prophecies they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, that's when Jesus returns, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up selfish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, <clears throat> then I shall know fully, even as I have been known fully. Verse 13, so now faith, <clears throat> hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now listen, we're going to look at some very simple things this morning, nothing that's going to be earth-shattering to you, nothing you probably haven't heard before, very simple, yet very profound. And so the question becomes, not do we understand what we're learning, but are we going to be able to take what we learn now and apply it in specific areas of our life, in specific areas of our marriage, so the Lord can bless it, and we can grow in our faith and understanding of Him, while at the same time growing in our marriage and love for our spouse. Okay, so truth number one, I want you to see this morning, based right on the scripture there in verse seven, number one, love is faithful. Love is faithful. <clears throat> now we take that idea from the first part of verse seven. First Corinthians 13, seven says that love bears 
all things, right? It's faithful in all things, really, no matter what. Now, there's some scholars that have written extensively about this. And let me kind of tell you what they say and how they kind of explain it. They say there are kind of two main ideas here in this verse. The first one is that love always bears up under adversity, right? So even when bad things happen, love endures. Love is faithful. Love is there regardless of what happens. And one of the ways that kind of manifests itself is that it hides or is silent about the faults of others, right? So you think about your spouse. Sometimes when we get frustrated, we're, you might not be, but sometimes I, when I'm really frustrated, see the faults in Amy that I wouldn't see otherwise. Anybody else ever done that? You don't have to raise your hands. I know you do, right? I know that's what we do. We get frustrated, and it's very easy for us to see the mistakes that our spouse has made. We're really good about seeing what they've done wrong, very bad oftentimes at seeing what we've done wrong ourselves. And that's human nature. We do that in really all of our relationships, whether at work or on the ball field, uh, at church, but especially with our spouse, right? So we need to understand if we're going to say that love bears all things, love is faithful even in adversity, love is faithful even in the midst of the faults of others, that means that real love doesn't focus on the failures of our spouse, That means that real love doesn't constantly bring up shortcomings. That means that real love doesn't remind the other person about the failures of the past. We're good when we get into arguments about poking at the things we don't like, the things that are wrong, the things they've done poorly. I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 7 beginning in verse 3. Now the scripture uses the word brother. I'm going to use the word spouse just so you're clear. Why do we see the speck? Excuse me, why do you see the speck that is in your spouse's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye, right? Speck versus log. How can you say to your spouse, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? Now, these are the words of Scripture, not mine. Verse 5, you hypocrite. That's what the Bible says right here. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your spouse's eye, right? We're good at seeing the faults of our spouse. We need to be reminded in verse 7, love bears all things. I'm not going to hone in on what you've done wrong. I'm not going to harp on your mistakes. I'm going to bear this. I'm going to stand up under this, right? Another idea scholars tell us, found in in kind of the first part of verse 7, is that love bears without resentment injuries inflicted by others, right? In other words, we're not going to be resentful when our spouse hurts us. Like if you think that you've kind of gone into a marriage and everything's going to be perfect and your spouse is never going to upset you, that's just not true. And if you've been married more than maybe a couple of days, you've kind of learned that on your own, right? But we begin to understand, listen, there are going to be times when my wife does things that hurt me. There are going to be times I do things that hurt my wife, maybe not even intentionally. But if we're going to say love bears all things, we've got to be willing in those moments not to allow those things to cause anger and bitterness and resentment, right? 
We're not going to harp on the mistakes and the failures. We're not going to allow the things sometimes that hurt us to cause anger and bitterness. We've just got to realize love is difficult sometimes. We're willing to walk through it. We want our love to bear all things. We're going to push through this because it's worth it. You're worth it. Our marriage is worth it. Very easy for us to say, sometimes very difficult for us to do, right? Love bears all things. The second thing is it believes all things. So here's truth number two. Not only is love faithful to bear all things, truth number two, love trusts. Love trusts. Okay? You need to understand something very clearly. Marriage is built on trust. If there's not trust, you're going to have a real hard time in your marriage. Okay? And if you're struggling with trust, we're going to give some specific things here in just a few minutes that might help you. But we need to be reminded that our trust, first of all, comes from the Lord. We believe that Jesus is who he says he is. We believe in his promises. We believe that those promises will be fulfilled. And we understand, this is the difficult part sometimes about trust, we understand that when we're walking through life, that even in difficult circumstances, we believe and trust that the Lord is at work and has a greater purpose for us, even in the midst of those struggles. Okay? James chapter 1, beginning of verse 2, explains this to us. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. One writer explained it like this, no matter how bad things may be, No matter how much grief others may dish out to us, we should have unlimited faith in God. We should have faith in his promises to sustain us, to keep us from falling, and to perfect his work in us. We should have faith that God is using our trials and tribulations to strengthen our faith. Right? So we have this faith in, in Christ that he's always working, he's always present, he's always loving. There's a greater purpose for us than just what's happening on this earth. Right? So we take this same idea of trust that we have in the Lord and we apply it now to our spouse. Right? We're going to trust our spouse. Marriage is impossible really without trust. And so you've got to work to build it, right? Trust is one of these things. It takes you a lifetime to build, and you can lose it in an instance, right? We're we're familiar with that idea. And so trust is something we work through, we we foster, we keep going. You say, how do we build trust? I'm going to give you just a few kind of very specific things you can think about, maybe a few things you can apply in your marriage. The first one, and this is kind of a no-brainer, but you'd be surprised it doesn't happen as often as you think it ought to. If we're going to build trust, the first thing is we've just got to be honest with each other. Now, that seems awfully simple, but sometimes that's really difficult. Because we're honest sometimes in the things that our spouse knows about. Maybe we're not super honest in the things that he or she does not know about. Maybe we're honest in some big things, but there's a few medium and some small things we're not so honest about. Maybe we withhold the truth when we should be telling the truth. And so we just kind of kind of make this commitment. If we're going to build trust with each other, it really starts with being honest. We're not going to hide anything. We're going to let our actions match our words. I'm going to say this, I'm going to say that I'm going to do this, then I'm actually going to do it, 
right? You, you build trust with other people in your life when they tell you they're going to do something and then they do it. When they tell you they're going to do something and they don't do it, you begin to lose trust. And so as, as partners in marriage here, we're going to say, listen, I'm going to say the things that I'm going to do and do the things that I say. I'm just going to be honest with you. My actions are going to match my words. I'm going to be, here's another just kind of clear, easy one. We're going to have open and honest communication. It seems like every sermon that I've done, there's something to be said about communication. Why? Because communication is paramount to the success of your marriage. Like if you're not communicating, if you're not having regular, ongoing, honest conversation, you're going to struggle. You say, listen, that's great. I get it. We need to be honest. No secrets. Honest communication. Open communication. Be, be uh, transparent with one another. Uh, do the things that we say we're going to do. I get that, Adam. The problem is for us, we had that, and now something has happened if we've lost it. Like something happened in our marriage, and you can kind of fill in the blank. There's a thousand different reasons couples lose trust. And so you may say, listen, we've completely lost trust or trust is kind of on life support for us, or we've got a little trust, but it's not really great, what are some things we can do to rebuild our trust? I'm going to give you three very simple, very practical things you do. If you're kind of struggling with trust, try these three things. First of all, reestablish your commitment to each other. It just starts there. Right? If you're not both committed to this marriage, trust is going to be a hard thing to find. Anytime I deal with couples that are struggling, I always ask, are you both willing to make this work? Because if you're not both willing to make this work, I'm going to include you in, it's not going to work. It's not going to work when one spouse says, I'm 100% committed to making this work. I'll do whatever I have to do to make it work. And the other one says, I'm just not really sure if I want to make this work. Right? The first thing that has to happen, you've got to recommit because your spouse has to know you're in it for the long haul. If you're not, then he or she is going to have a hard time building trust in you for the future. So we just got to have this conversation. Listen, we're committed. We're going to reestablish our commitment for, for each other. Here's the second thing you can do to rebuild trust. Decide to forgive. Decide to forgive. Right, people struggle with forgiveness. People ask me oftentimes, how do I forgive, right? And if you think forgiveness is where you just wake up one morning and have this feeling that all of a sudden everything's gone and all the world's going to be fine and it's as if nothing ever happened, that typically doesn't happen in forgiveness. It might happen, but that's really not what happens with most people. In fact, for most people, forgiveness is a decision they make. I've just decided I'm going to forgive you. And it's usually not a once and for all kind of deal. It's not as if you just decide to forgive and for the rest of your life, everything is great. A lot of people choose to forgive and then a day or two later, they've decided, you know, maybe I don't want to forgive. And then the day after that, they decide, you know, I am going to forgive. And no, I'm not really. And it may be this process for you. It's an ongoing, regular decision you've got to make. You've just got to consciously decide I'm going to forgive I'm going to forgive this person. Because you just need to understand, when you don't forgive people, what typically happens is it turns to anger and to bitterness, and it eventually just eats you up inside. You've known the person. You might know them right now. It might be you that struggled with forgiveness, that struggled with anger, that struggled with bitterness, and has become this person that's just unhappy, can't say nice things, always frustrated, always angry. That, that bitterness and that unforgiveness is kind of eating them from inside, right? So we've recommitted to each other. We've decided to forgive. And then kind of once we've kind of done those two big things, really it's just a matter of working on our marriage together. 
That could mean reading books. That could mean going to counseling. Uh, that could mean spending more time together, a marriage retreat or regular date night. But there's this idea that once we've recommitted and we're in this for the long haul, once we've chosen to forgive each other, we're not going to bring up the past and nitpick. Now we're just going to work through this together. We're going to work on our marriage, spending more time together, loving one another, reading books, whatever that looks like. Why? Because love trusts. It's a, it's a key component to a strong marriage. Now that, back to verse seven. So love bears all things. We're faithful in all things. Love believes all things. There's the trust. Love hopes all things. Truth number three, very simply, right out of the text, love hopes, right? Love hopes. Now the Bible talks a lot about hope. And the idea of hope comes from the Lord. And so we put our faith and our hope in the things of the Lord. For example, Psalm 42, 5 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him my salvation. 1 Peter 3, 15 says, In your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Right? So the idea is we have hope in Christ. We should be prepared to explain to people what that reason is and why we have it. And so we, we see this clear picture in Scripture that we hope in the things of the Lord. But I want to kind of uh, tie this into our marriages. As we hope in the Lord, we should find hope in our marriage as well. If I were to walk around this room right now and ask you a series of questions, something like this, what hope do you have for your children what hope do you have for your grandchildren? You could probably tell me a lot of things. You probably have a lot of hope for your children. You hope a lot of things for them. You hope a lot for your grandchildren. If I were to say, listen, what's your hope for your job or your career? You probably have a lot of hopes for your job. You got a lot of hopes for your career. We've thought a lot about that. If then I said, what's your hope for your marriage? A lot of people wouldn't know what to say. You know, I don't know. Hadn't really thought a lot about that. Hadn't put a lot of time into it. Maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe we need to hope in the things of marriage. Maybe we need to think about, listen, what's my hope for my spouse? What do I hope for her next month and next year and in five years? Man, that, that could really kind of control how you pray for her, men. Ladies, what do I hope for my husband? What do I hope he can become? What, what do I hope the Lord does in his life? What do I hope that the, the, the Lord manifests in him? And, and what do I hope that the Lord grows in him? And how can I pray for him? And how are we hoping for our spouse? How are we hoping for our marriage? Right? Hope is a very important thing. Hope allows us to face difficulties, hoping through the power of the Lord that good things are going to happen. Right? So, so love bears all, it trusts all, it hopes all. And then the last part of that verse, love endures all things. Truth number four, very simply, love endures. Right? Permanence. We kind of made this decision that we've gotten married, we love each other, we're just going to make it work. We're not saying it's always going to be easy. Uh, we're not going to say that the path is going to be smooth. We're not going to say there might not be some issues, but we're just going to make this work. Now, what we see in this scripture is this idea of Christ's love for us is never ending. Now, Paul does something very interesting. Pull up verses 7, actually verses 8 and following. I want you to see what he does here, beginning in verse 8. Right? He says uh, that love never ends. As for prophecies, they're going to pass away. 
Tongues are going to cease. Knowledge is going to pass away. We knew in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So Paul helps us understand, listen, the things of this earth, whether it's the spiritual gifts or knowledge or the things that exist in the kind of the, the physical world, all those things eventually will be gone. And so if you're kind of holding on to something that you think is valuable in this world above all things, just be reminded one day it too will be gone. All those things will pass away, but love never ends. Right? The love that the Lord has shown for us never ends. It's in his very nature. We see this in the way Christ lived. One of my favorite passages of scriptures, John chapter 13. Jesus is just about to be crucified. He knows what's going to happen. He knows where he's going. He's about to explain it to his disciples. He wants to sit down one final time and have this meal with them before he's arrested. And then John 13, 1 says, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew, no confusion here, he knew that the hour had come to depart out of this world. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I love that verse. It shows his commitment. It shows his desire for love. It shows that his love above all things endured. And so as we kind of think about the love that Christ has for us and that endurance and what that means, we translate that to love for others and especially love for our spouse. You know, I, I told the first service, sometimes it's good for me to be reminded of this because when people make you angry or you're not happy about something some, somebody else has done, it's good to be reminded, listen, the Lord loves them. If the Lord can love them, knowing everything about them and their faults, then I can love them too. And so sometimes I audibly pray, especially when I'm driving, right? Amen. Especially when I'm driving. Lord, love this other person through me. Show me how to love this person. Because we get frustrated with people. We get angry with people. We love other people because the love Christ has shown us. And if we love other people like that, how much more so our spouse? Right, marriage is basically saying, I'm committed to you even in difficult times. I went back and pulled some of the vows that I've used over the years with couples. And they usually say something like this. I promise to take care of you in sickness and in health. In riches and in poverty, for better, for worse, to love and cherish you all the days of my life. Right? When we're, when we're newly married, we're only thinking about the good. The good and then the riches and the health. Sometimes we fail to understand the bad and the poverty and the sickness. Right? But we've made this commitment to one another. We've decided that our love is going to endure. Right? Marriage is permanent. We're kind of stuck with each other. That's what they said in the video. We've just kind of made this decision. We're going to stick together, right? Good or bad, riches or poor, we've decided this is the road we're going to take. We're sticking together. So let's look at homework very quickly. This is the last one I'm going to give you in this sermon series, homework. Recommit yourself to your spouse, right? This could be just through talking about it, a conversation. Maybe you want to write a letter. Maybe even make some plans to, to renew your vows, right? But you need to have some sort of a conversation this week with your spouse talking about your commitment, right? I'm, I'm in this for the long haul. 
I love you. I'm willing to work through whatever struggles we're going through. Maybe times are great right now. Maybe they're not. But I'm in this because I committed to you. I committed to the Lord. I love you. We're just going to make this work, right? Let's have this conversation. Let's talk about it. Let's write it down. Let's renew our vows. Whatever the Lord leads you to do, we need to have a conversation about it this week just to remind each other that we're in this for the long haul, right? The Bible teaches us very simply love is faithful, love trusts, it hopes, it endures. And so let me just encourage you as we finish up this series, trust in Christ, okay? If you'll listen to his words, if you'll take what he teaches you and apply it to your life, if you'll live putting him first, trying to bring him honor and glory, loving your spouse the way Christ commands us to love, if you'll do those things, he will bless you and you will live happily ever after.